Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. Thank you for tuning in. Chase and Sarah here. We don't often say our names and who we are, but that is who is coming to you (laughs) through the headphones. This is us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when is the last time? I always wonder that. Like, if if you've been listening for a while, you know a little bit about us. But if not, why don't we tell our listeners? Yeah. We should do that. We should. Okay, go now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, like you said, Chase and Sarah, we have a daughter, Stella. She is three. We live in Costa Rica. We started this podcast five years ago to get premarital advice because there was nothing out there that offered, uh, or no other podcasts out there that offered. Uh, well, they offered it. We just didn't like them. Right. So we well, started our own. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, that's exactly true. There were there were options out there, but not what we were looking for. So we decided to create our own. And five years later, here we are. Yeah. And we've been together for 10 years. Yes. 
Which is crazy. I know. Decade. It's almost our, oh no, wait, it just was our 10 years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just, just was. was. I was like, I was 22 when we met. I know. I feel like. Little baby. The, yeah. Like such a kid. <laughs> it's incredible. Because we're so old now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, yeah, now we're coming up on episode 200. And yes. So thankful for you guys tuning in. This and actually t- might be 200. Is it, I, don't, I don't know. I know. I, well, if this is 200, well, <laughs> we need to re-record the intro. Yeah, no, I, I'm this not sure. This can't be 200. No, this can't be 200. Okay. Maybe Whatever after, 200, after 200 is. 200 plus is what this gonna one is. going to be some, yeah. Go back and listen to 200 and we will have done an incredible introduction. Something yes. very special with some music. I mean, that's a big deal. It is. 200 is. It's like. It's a lot of interviews. It's like our daughter's first haircut. Like <laughs> Which she hasn't, hasn't happened yet. <laughs> she hasn't had a haircut. And I think it's a pretty big deal. And Sarah's like, whatever, let's just cut her hair. And I want to be there. Or, and I say, <laughs> I want to be there. And Sarah's like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm like, yeah, it is. In the same way that episode 200 is a very big I deal. I know. I know. You are right. It is a big deal. Regarding I'm not trying the to be right. Some people well, don't care. I know. Anyways, we'll do a podcast episode on uh, parenting and agreeing upon... <laughs> when uh, to cut their child's hair. No, just what, what to do with <laughs> your <general>. kid. <laughs> that could be one of the themes. So anyways, now that you know our brief history um, for now, we'll have to do like little updates, little factoids about our relationship. Yeah. Like we went to Peru for two months when we had been dating for three barely months. three months. <laughs> And that was a whole thing. That's so, what hooked him. That's what hooked what, what, you, right? Huh? That's what hooked you, right? Yeah, you survived that. We both survived it. And I mean, I wouldn't say hooked me, but it was like, okay, <laughs> we can get through that. This you know? chick's cool. It's okay. We can we can hang out some more. And uh, yeah, here we are now. Still trying to improve our relationship and interview great guests like we have today, and that is uh, Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar, who has taught the largest course at Harvard, positive psychology, and then the third largest, the psychology of leadership. So people want to hear what he has to say, and you guys are too. And he is also an author and the co-founder of the Happiness Studies Academy And uh, as I mentioned, the author of six books, including international bestsellers, Happier and Being Happy. So who better to talk to about being happy in your relationship (laughs) and being happy as an individual? And we go over some great tools and resources, and he cites a lot of interesting studies, but... um, I will let him tell you all about it in today's show. And I really listen out for his uh, tip as far as for creating new habits um, that will make you happier. And that revolves around reminders, repetition, and rituals. So uh, take some notes, enjoy today's episode, and send us some questions. Maybe you're listening Join our Love Tribe Facebook yes. uh, group and uh, maybe some questions about Sarah and I and our relationship uh, that you like to hear us talk about on the pre-show. Yeah. So you can get to know us a little bit better. And we always love hearing from our listeners to get to know you guys a little better. Yeah. Send, the, send them via email or send them in the Love Tribe too and just tag us and, and uh, we will right away. Awesome. awesome. Enjoy today's show. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Tal. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me on the show. Tal, we like to start our show with having you tell us and our listeners why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships in particular. Well, you know, there's uh, so much research out there 
showing that uh, relationships are the number one predictor of happiness. Uh, I'm in the business of happiness. You know, my, my personal mission statement is to, to spread what I've come to call the ultimate currency, the currency of happiness. And relationships uh, are, are the most important component there. They seem to be. I mean, we're, we're, everyone is, is uh, on that journey in life to be happy, really, right? And, and, and we're lucky to be living, most of us, in a time where rather than trying to dodge saber-toothed tigers and, and uh, find food, we are able to focus on things outside of just surviving and, and now more on being happy, right? And, and that's why things such as your Happiness Studies Academy can even exist. Um, and it's kind of cool to, to think about it. It didn't used to always be this way and for a long time. And, but maybe kind of this modern day, uh, all these luxuries and this technology are taking us away from what really makes us happy. And you alluded to it in our relationships being the number one predictor of happiness. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that finding the research behind it, and we can talk about how to improve uh, all the relationships in our life. Great. You know, so um, just recently, I, I came back from a, a long tour uh, across uh, Latin America, and the company I was working with was uh, Sura Asset Management. They asked me to do research uh, before I, I gave my talks and share it with, um, with the audience, with the press. And the research we did was look at relate at, um, at happiness levels across Latin America, comparing them to the rest of the world or, or most of the rest of the world, uh, especially uh, U.S., uh, Europe, further east. And um, what we found in this research was initially no big surprise. We found that Latin America is the happiest region in the world, but we knew that already. Uh, what was surprising, though, was that when we broke down the uh, the population to age groups, we found that while the older generation in Latin America was indeed uh, a lot happier than the rest of the world, the young generation, or the, that is 18 to 35, um, was actually uh, as happy or rather as unhappy as the rest of the world. In other words, it was just the old generation that was essentially carrying Latin America in terms of their, um, so to speak, happiness rankings. Um, and when we looked deeper and, and, and asked why, we found that it was all about relationships. Now, it's not that the young generation didn't value relationships. It was that de facto they weren't spending nearly as much time with their loved ones. They were on social media. And unfortunately, 1,000 friends on social media are no substitute for that one BFF, for that one or two real relationships. It is seems like the the problem of our time of this era of of the internet really is uh Sarah and I are in our early thirties. So I feel like we're the one just on the cusp of being the first generation just growing up only knowing the internet and certainly a little bit later, actually, than the first generation only knowing social media. But we don't even fully realize or understand the effects that it's having on us. I mean, because it's all happening right now, but like through research like this and, and others, it's becoming abundantly clear that these social connections online do not replace the real world interactions. And it's it's almost obvious at this point, but it seems like we're so wrapped up in, in a large segment of our day-to-day -day lives kind of goes through this new medium of social interaction. So how are you looking at this problem and how are we going to tackle it? Yes. You know, the, the, we need to look at the problem and address it for what it is. And what it is, is uh, a mass addiction. Um. You know, the number one addiction today, and I'm, I'm, I'm involved with, uh, with research and practice in the area of addiction, uh, the number one addiction today is no longer 
uh, alcohol or drugs or gambling, number one addiction today is screen. And specifically, three forms of uh, screen time. One is uh, social media, two is pornography, and three is gaming. Um, and, um, and, and the screen addiction is leading to a great deal of, of unhappiness. Now, how do you deal with, uh, with addiction? I mean, think about it. So, um, you know, if let's say you have an, uh, um, um, someone who's addicted to heroin, you won't put the drug next to them on a regular basis and just tell them, don't use it. You will actually, um, get it away from them, you know, not, not, uh, tempt them. It's not too much. Uh, in the same way, you know, this is what we do. So we have, uh, we have three, three kids and uh, it's not just that we tell them not to use, um, you know, the, 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 the internet or to use, uh, their, um, their, 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 their PlayStation or Xbox, um, more than one hour a day, which is what we limit it, uh, to. We also take it away. So it's not unnecessarily tempting them not making life uh, more difficult uh, for them. Uh, so that's one thing, is um, getting it away from us. You know, one of the things that, you know, you talk about relationships, what is the first thing that people usually do when they wake up in the morning? They don't turn to their, you know, loved one and, 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 and hug them and tell them, you know, so, so beautiful to wake up next to you. They turn the other way to their smartphone to see if there are any messages. And that's what most people do. You know, one of the things that, that I do is my phone is not next to me when, when I go to sleep because I don't want that temptation. Um, in, in, in addition, we need to find alternatives. You know, if you have someone who's uh, tempted by, by alcohol, um, the important thing is to find alternatives, to get them to, to be tempted by other things, to get them to do other things because it's out of boredom that very often drinking begins. Um, so we need to find alternatives when it's with kids, you know, play board, play board games, uh, with them when it's, uh, adults, you know, go out and leave your smartphones at home if possible. I find that I'm definitely addicted to, to looking at my phone or computer or email. Um, maybe not an extreme case, but that the, oh, the best solution is just to be away from it. Like I try to, if, if we're going out as a family, I leave my phone at home and that's just, and it's easy. And I'm not like stressing out that I don't have it. Um, and, and again, it, it seems like it's such a kind of obvious thing, but I feel like there's so many of us that are addicted that it, it just, it seems like it's a part of us, like in the same way that you used to just walk over to your neighbor and, and no one does that anymore, but to, to say hello or, or something like that. It's just like, it's just, here's how we're going to socially interact with our community or others or not even, you know, and that community geographically is not close to you. And it's just so unnatural that it seems like that's why you're finding people are unhappy and they're not fulfilled by these connections that aren't really how we evolved to connect. Have you looked at this through an evolutionary lens and, and are there any interesting findings there and implications? Yeah, uh, very much so. You know, be, be, before the, um, um, you know, what Jean Twenge, who's a professor at um, San Diego state, before the ascendance of the smartphone, um, people did spend um, much, much more time together. And, and then we could also look at the quality of relationships. So the by now famous Harvard relationship study uh, looked at um, Harvard uh, students and later graduates, as well as uh, community members from uh, around Cambridge, and they looked at them, followed them for 75 years to see how, how they fared throughout their lives, professionally, personally, uh, financially, uh, psychologically. And um, they collected quite literally millions of uh, data points. And what they found at the end of the 75 years, following most of them for their entire lives, because they started at the age of 18, uh, what they found was that um, there was one predictor, one best predictor of both 
um, happiness as well as physical health. And that predictor was relationships. And it's interesting that it didn't actually matter what kind of relationships, meaning for some of them it was romantic relationships uh, or a relationship that they had. Uh, for others, it was friendships that, that carried them through. For others, it was family that they invested in. And um, uh, for others, it was coll um, collegial, professional relationships. It actually didn't matter. But they had real relationships. They invested in relationships. In other words, they were a priority uh, for them. And um, they weren't perfect relationships. They had conflicts and disagreements, ups and downs like, like everyone else. And yet, relationships were important, not just in theory, but in practice. And, um, and you know, this, this, this explains um, health and happiness in the 20th and 21st century. It explains health and happiness, um, you know, 5,000 or, or 5 million years ago. It's how, it's, how we, it's how we survived. We were built to, to live in tribes. We weren't built to, to live uh, in, uh, in uh, dissociation or disconnect from other people. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what the current studies and anthropological studies have shown. And it's just like we've had this wrench thrown in the system of the, of the internet and of the smartphone. And, and like I said, it, it, we're just at the beginning of this. And it's, it, it's not like it's a thing that is going to end, end up with our destruction because we have people like yourselves that, we're not blind to this, right? Like we, we understand, but I, I think the work that you're doing is incredibly important, pointing out the value of relationships and then having systems in place. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of uh, Tristan Harris. He, he's a, uh, I've mentioned him on the show before, but he's a former Google um, tech uh, executive and then now has a, um, nonprofit where he works with the big tech companies to make sure that they're designing software and and their programs to be more ethical so that because all these things the smartphone and then all the apps on them i mean they are designed to take your attention uh away and towards the phone and towards the apps because that's how they're profitable and he's basically educating people to be aware of this and and to know that uh, we don't need to, uh, you know, be so reliant on these things. And I think it's just important work because it, they're literally designed to, to suck your attention away. And, and it's like this pill. If someone said, you know, take this pill and the relationships in your life are going to become more and more fake, basically, through these the social uh, platforms that are not real life human interaction. So that knowledge is just important to get out there and then to take the steps to, to leave your phone at home, to give your partner in the morning when you wake up a kiss rather than, than checking your phone is the first thing you do, which I'm guilty of 90% of the mornings. Um, so it, it's just uh, such an important thing. Yeah, it is important. Unfortunately, as you as you alluded to, it actually probably will get worse before it gets better. Yeah, um, though, and and the change has to has to come at home. You know, there are more and more schools who are, for example, um, prohibiting the use of cell phones throughout the day. You know, or kids can't even bring their their phone to school, which which is great. Uh, however, at home, uh, unfortunately, many parents are using. Uh, technology as, um, as, as the babysitter because, you know, kids are, are happy, at least in the short term, they seem happy and they're quiet and, um, and it gives parents, uh, some, some peace of mind. Um, ju just one more thing though, you know, there are also benefits to, to media and, um, and, and we, we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, I just recently met, um, my best friend from when we were 12 years old. We hadn't seen each other for uh, 35 years and we just, um, because our parents moved countries and we just met again, thanks to social media. So, and my, my sister found her amazing husband through uh, social media. So uh, there are certainly uh, upsides as well. The point is moderation, moderation. That's the key. 
I feel like when you when you say moderation, it's always one of those things that's it's easier said than done. Like mm. we know what we need to do, but there's those chemicals that we get when our phone notifications go off and, and that really kind of prevents us from almost doing the right thing sometimes. So I guess, do you have any advice when it, when it comes to that in terms of how to create that moderation in your life with social media and technology? Sure. Um, first of all, it's, it's not easy. You know, it's, um, we, we all know that, um, that, uh, exercising on a regular basis is good for us, that eating, uh, that eating broccoli is, is, is better for us than eating, uh, chocolate. Uh, but, um, but, but, we, but most people don't do that, at least not most of the time. And, um, the question is, how do we translate our knowledge into action? You know, in this respect, I often think about, uh, so my background is also in, uh, in, in philosophy. And, uh, I always think about how, Western philosophy in many ways was wrong, whereas theology, religion was right when it comes to bringing about change. So the father of um, Western philosophy considered, uh, considered by many, at least the father is uh, Socrates or Plato. And Socrates once said, to know the good is to do the good. To know the good is to do the good. Now, uh, unfortunately, uh, Socrates, at least in this respect, was wrong, not a little wrong, but very wrong because we know um, as I said about the importance of exercise or that we shouldn't uh, be checking our, our email 39 times uh, an hour, but we do it. And, um, and, um, knowing, just knowing that it's wrong is not enough. Religion, on the other hand, had it right. What does religion uh, do when it comes to bring about change? Religion understands or theologians understand that what we need to bring about change are what I've come to call the three R's. The three R's, not reading, writing, and arithmetic, but rather the three R's of change, which are um, reminders, repetition, and ritual. Reminders, repetition, and ritual. Um, because when we remind ourselves to do something and we repeat a particular, particular action over and over again, and then we create a ritual out of it, that's when change happens. I mean, think about how religion works. Uh, constant reminders, whether it's through prayers or through art or through sermons, um, they're ongoing reminders. There is repetition. You know, once a week, you go out, you know, to synagogue or mosque or church. Um, there's repetition in terms of the holidays. The you know each you know each each day is you know Christianity is a saint's day. It reminds you constantly. It's a re repetitive reminders. Um, repeat the prayer over and over again, and then over time. You create rituals. And these rituals are, you can actually see them formed in the brain. I mean, if you think about it, uh, what, what, what's an addiction? Addiction is a ritual. It's a negative ritual, but it's a ritual. So the, the question is, how do you create positive rituals? For example, how do I create the positive ritual that every day when I wake up in the morning, um, I spend, you know, one minute looking into my partner's eyes? Or how do I, how do we create the ritual that once a week, we, or three times a week, we as partners go out on a date? You know, my wife and I, we have a weekly date. We have a day when we go out with the kids, we bring a babysitter and we go out. Uh, many of our friends say to us, come on, a ritual around a date that's so unromantic. Why, why don't you use spontaneity? Um, why don't you wait for that, you know, passion to rise and then you go out on a date? And you know, with, Three kids at home, both of us working full time, waiting for that spontaneity. It's not going to happen. You need to have rituals in your lives around the important values in your life. And, um, and a ritual can also be every night before I go to bed, I put the phone away. Or every time when we come home, we switch the phone off and we put it, you know, in, in, in a safe haven, so to speak, for, for, for phones. Um, these rituals are critical. So remind ourselves what kind of life we want to lead, uh, repeat uh, particular actions until there are rituals. Because after a while, it's no longer difficult for me to first look at my wife when I wake up in the morning rather than the smartphone. Just like it's not difficult for me to brush my teeth in the morning because it's a ritual. This is such a valuable tool to use because I'm just thinking about the things that I've 
made bad rituals in my life because that's basically you can look at it of the bad things I have I'm the repetition of looking at my phone the first thing in the morning and and it's basically a, a ritual and then you just do it because that's what you do like this is exactly. another silly example like I ate cereal for breakfast from the time I was I don't know could make my breakfast like seven or eight until mm. Sarah and I met in college. And I just, that's what I ate big giant bowl of cereal until I got more into nutrition and, and, and reading and realize whole grains are not the greatest thing. And maybe that's why I'm tired in the morning. But even then it was hard for me to stop doing that because it was just this repetition and ritual of, of cereal in the morning. And it's amazing. I think with a, a lot of things in our life of that's how we go through life. And if we can look at things like our diet and create better rituals around that, and then certainly our relationships with our friends, family, and uh, our romantic partners. And it just helps you. You don't have to decide to go on the date, like your example. It's like, this is our ritual. And, and, it, and then it just becomes like it's like second nature just kind of happens you know chase you're you're exactly right and, and and the point is that it becomes second nature quite literally um so there are neural pathways in our brain that are formed after repetition and the repetition can be serial in the morning it can be checking your smartphone or it can be um physical exercise three times a week at 5 p.m every other day so and the question is, what kind of rituals do you want to do? And in that respect, with reminders, repetition, and rituals, you are uh, cultivating, uh, sculpting. And again, I'm, I'm talking literally, not metaphorically. You're sculpting the kind of brain and therefore the kind of life that you want to lead. And, and we need to ask ourselves, what, what do I want to do on a regular basis? What do I want my life to look like? And then, um, and, and then act accordingly. Reminders, repetition, and rituals. So, Tal, you mentioned um, you were into philosophy, and that was a big part of your life. And so, I'm wondering, like, how you look at this in relation to free will. Um, I know this is a kind of a big thing, and, <laughs> and but to me, it's interesting because I I um, have read up on a little bit of philosophy, and free will is obviously a big. Uh, you know, one of the big topics in it. And, and it seems like, uh, like this is a way to, for those that argue that we, we don't have free will, that you're kind of hacking the system. It's like putting this system in place. So maybe what what are your thoughts on that and how this fits in? Today's episode is sponsored by our course, Spark My Relationship. We started I Do Podcast to get information to improve our own relationship. We thought at the very least we'll be able to do that and then to share it with our listeners. The guests are great and we've gotten a ton of valuable information, but we found that if we don't actually deliberately take the time to implement the strategies and tools that our guests give us, we weren't seeing the real lasting benefits that we desired in our relationship. And that's why we created the Spark My Relationship course. We've collaborated with 15 psychologists and therapists to create a comprehensive relationship course that not only teaches you the skills needed to create a successful and lasting relationship, but the tools to execute it. By enrolling in the online course, you'll have access to the same strategies and tools that marriage therapists teach their clients, including therapist-taught video lessons with workbooks and exercises to help you work towards accomplishing your relationship goals in less than 90 days. You'll also learn how to detox unhelpful relationship habits and learn healthy ways to interact. You'll learn how to disagree respectfully and communicate mindfully, as well as how to improve intimacy and reignite your sex life and so much more. Spark My Relationship isn't just a course for struggling couples. It's a course for couples who want to see their relationship flourish. If this is you, then you are a perfect fit for the course. 
So for a special offer for our I Do Podcast listeners, head over to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Again, for 30% off the course, plus special bonuses just for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Yeah, you know, so so I, I thought about it a lot. And uh, when I was um, when I was a junior in college, I wrote a uh, a philosophy, we, we had to write a philosophy paper on free will. It was uh, supposed to be uh, uh, 10 pages long. And uh, I, wrote, uh, I wrote the following. I wrote, uh, um, free will is a self-evident uh, phenomenon. Um, and I choose to write this paper and I handed it in and I failed. Um, but, but I, I thought it was uh, a proof of the existence of free will. Now, of course, it's possible to argue against it and to say, well, everything in your life until that date led you to write what you wrote. Um, but, um, but the point, the main point here is again, even if not philosophic, philosophically, psychologically, it is important to recognize that we choose. One of the best predictors of happiness is, uh, leading our life in accordance with our choices or as someone who doesn't believe in free will would still have to agree with the perception um, that we uh, make our choices. And, and if you think about it, once again, psychologically, at every moment in our life, we have a choice. And it's these choices that ultimately create the kind of life that we have. Um, so sometimes we have more of a choice than others. You know, turning to my phone in the morning if I've done it for the past you know, uh, 1,000 days, it's been ritualized and I have less of a choice whether or not to turn. But I do have a choice before that, whether to put the phone next to me or not. Um, and we need to think about these choices as each one essentially a brick. And those bricks add up to the path of our lives. So we have big choices such as uh, who, who, who do I uh, uh, spend my life with? Or um, um, what uh, profession do I do I pursue? These are these are very big, meaningful choices. However, even the smallest choices, again, whether it's off the phone or whether right now I choose I choose to appreciate my partner or I choose to appreciate uh, uh, my life. Um, these are choices that we can make at any moment and are important choices to make. Very important for our overall happiness. Absolutely. And and that's what I was kind of alluding to as far like hacking the system of like setting these systems up in place so that when we have the choice of whether or not to look at our phone, well, if our phone's not there, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> and, right. Because you made a choice previously. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you taught what at the time was the largest course at Harvard, positive psychology. And a lot of what we're talking about, I'm sure seems like it would be covered in that course and definitely valuable stuff to apply to relationships. So when a student would complete that course, what were some of the most valuable things that you had feedback on as far as personal application of creating a positive psychological uh, outlook in, in, in one's life? Yeah, so, you know, I, I think that the most important element of this uh, course was that it was, it was applied, and it was applied to real life. Um, now, what, what do I mean by that? For example, and, I, and I'll give an example again from the context of, of relationships. Um, so... When we talk about relation, we look at the research by uh, uh, John Gottman, which you, you may have uh, addressed in, in your work, where John Gottman talks about the importance of conflicts in relationships, how conflicts are, are inevitable. Now, why is this important research to know? Because people going into a relationship with the expectation that they will live happily ever after and the honeymoon phase will last uh, beyond the first uh, uh, six weeks or three years, um, they are in for, uh, for a shock because um, conflicts are inevitable in every relationship, even the best of them. So um, w when you understand that conflicts are important and they can potentially actually lead to individual as well as interpersonal growth, 
um, you're coming in with a much um, more authentic, real uh, mindset, authentic, real expectations. And therefore, you're much more likely to thrive in your relationship. So this is an example from relationship. Let's take this to the individual level. One of the things that I talk about in my course, one of the big ideas is um, the importance of accepting, embracing uh, painful emotions. There are only two kinds of people who, who do not experience emotions such as anger or sadness or, or frustration or anxiety or envy. Or, um, and there are only two kinds of people who don't experience these emotions. They are the psychopaths and dead people. So experiencing painful emotions is actually, actually a good sign. It means that we're alive and that we're not psychopaths. Um, the problem is that so many people, and once again, I go back to social media, because they see other people, you know, always happy, always on this perfect vacation, always in this perfect relationship, um, always thriving and flourishing professionally and personally, they see them and they say, what's wrong with my life? Because I'm not that way. Wrong expectations, unrealistic expectations, leading to a great deal of unhappiness. So true. And I don't know who to attribute the quote to, but uh, comparison is a thief of joy is, is one that I love and one that I have been guilty of finding myself in is that I think it's just a natural thing that when you're on social media, looking at other people's lives celebrity culture, even before social media, you're comparing and, and it's not a true narrative. And even if it is, it's not your narrative. And, and so comparing is, is not going to make you uh, happier. Yeah. And, um, you know, this, this social comparison uh, that we see so often uh, is, first of all, it's, it's natural to compare. Um, the thing, though, is that if we can be aware um, that we do it, and um, and simply observe it. You know, this is what uh, Eastern wisdom is very much about. This is what meditation is very much about. Just observe this phenomenon. Just 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 look at the fact that you're comparing and um, and say how how interesting. Here I am comparing again, and then move on to live your life. This is the healthy approach to um, to you know this thief of joy, as you point out. I'm curious. Earlier, you mentioned with addiction being the uh, the number one addiction right now being screen and then that being broken up to social pornography and gaming. Is there one of those categories that affects relationships more than another? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the question, of course, is at, at, at what age? So when it, you know, it comes to young kids and up until teenage years, it's mostly mostly gaming. Uh, later on in life, um, with adults and a lot more with men than women, it's uh, it's pornography. And I was recently in um, uh, doing some consulting for uh, local government in in Asia, and um, one of the things that they brought up was was the fact that one of the things that they're really worried about is that their young generation, young generation, eighteen to thirty five year olds. Um, are, are not having sex. And the reason for it is because they are um, uh, mostly, you know, getting their, you know, their, their, their fix, so to speak, from, uh, from pornography. It's, uh, it's easier than real relationships. It's, uh, um, you can have a different one every, every night. It satisfies your exact um, fantasy. And, uh, and it's a problem because, uh, young, the young generation, they're choosing not, not to go out. And, and even if they do, they, they, they're awkward and, and they're afraid and they revert back to, to, to what's easy and accessible. And it's very much similar to pornography addiction is very, very similar to uh, sugar addiction. You know, so you, you have, uh, you have a, a chocolate in front of you and, 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 and most people, you know, want to have it. And the thing is that we need to change the environment, the kind of choices that, that we have. Now, I'll, I'll go back to food for the food analogy for a minute. Um, you know, if you give a kid the option between uh, an orange or a banana, well, they'll, they'll, in all likelihood, choose one of them, you know, maybe even both. 
But if you bring chocolate into the equation and you give them the option between banana, orange, or chocolate, they're most likely to go for the chocolate. At least most children are. Um, and in, in, in the same way, we need to, um, in advance, limit our options in terms of, uh, of, of pornography. You know, it's like the sirens in, uh, um, that, that lured Odysseus. Uh, what Odysseus did was he, he tied himself and his uh, friends on the ship to, to the mast so that they don't go after the sirens. And uh, in, in this way, we need to prevent ourselves, you know, put uh, checks and balances, whether it's on our smartphone or on, on our computer, so that we don't go to the easy and unhealthy uh, option and go out of our way to, to experience relationships. Because while pornography provides the immediate uh, gratification and satisfaction, in the long term, it leads to unhappiness and to depriving ourselves of the number one source of happiness. Uh, which is real relationships. Just like drugs, easy, quick fix, unhealthy in the long term. I love that point in the uh, comparison with the story of Odysseus, because I'm just picturing someone literally tying themselves up and just how it's seemingly absurd, but it's it's also not. And it's what makes being a human so interesting is that we have the capability to realize that we are our own worst enemy sometimes, and but we can put systems in place to prevent us from doing the thing that we know we shouldn't do. And I, I'm just thinking there's a deep uh, philosophical arguments here, you know, like I said, going back to free will, but just the psychology of that is so fascinating. And that realization. And so in relationships, if we can do this with, with pornography, with putting systems in place for the time that we want to spend with our partner, for the date nights, uh, for all of these things, it's going to benefit uh, ourselves personally and interpersonally. And I think sometimes it feels like, at least for me, like that's kind of like cheating and and you should just be able to do it like going back to the food stuff sarah will will buy you know usually the less healthy food she's a healthy eater but i'm i'm way healthier oh. and so I, i'll say <laughs> uh, for the most part right well, can, i don't know about that. okay but you're I a say, secret eater yeah but, I, <laughs> but my point is i tell her she has better uh, self-control. Willpower. If, willpower, if it's in the house. But I say, kind of along these lines, I say, let if we can not put it in the house, like that system, like Odysseus tying, tying his crew up, then I'm good. And I'm good at, you know, but I have to have that system in place or else it's game over well, for the chocolate. I have to suffer is what it, what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so interesting you say that. I'm, I'm thinking now, is it a gender thing? Because in our household, it's exactly the same. Meaning, um, if there's chocolate in the house, I eat it. Yeah. Which, and, and which, whereas, uh, Tommy, my wife, uh, doesn't, which is why she knows w uh, when she buys chocolate, she hides it from me because I, because I ask her to, I ask her to hide it because otherwise I, w I would eat it. Uh, no, no self control there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly how it is. I have to hide it because I'll I'll savor it. You know, I'll I'll have a chocolate bar and I'll save it for the week. And if he yeah. sees it, it's gone in in a day, maybe. <laughs> and you know, and and Sarah, you say savor. You know, having chocolate and savoring it or dessert once in a while, that, that, that's wonderful. That's great. Once again, we go back to moderation. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll have to have you back on, and we'll go into. <laughs> These uh, maybe you have to do a study on on the gender differences in self control and, uh, and <laughs> with nutrition. chocolate specifically. With, yeah, <laughs> chocolate. There might be something there. Um, well, Tal, we really appreciate this wonderful conversation and all the great information you've given us and our listeners. Let's finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and maybe if there's something you want to leave them with, um, and then we'll say goodbye. Sure. So um, uh, online, I'm at uh, uh, talbenshahar.com. That's T-A-L-B-N-S-H-A-H-A-R. And you can, uh, there's access to my books and to my online uh, programs. Um, and um, 
you know, what, what, what I'd like to leave your listeners w- with is, um, is, you know, happiness is very close to us. It's uh, around the corner. It's inside us. It's, it's all around us. And we need to, um, we, we need to embrace it. Uh, and take it and, lo- and not allow deviations to take us uh, to take us away. You know, Odysseus uh, traveled for 14 years uh, looking for um, for the answer. Uh, the answer is very often at home, right where you are. Well, Tal, thank you so much. We'll have the links to all of your uh, to your website and your your book and everything on our website at idopodcast.com. And thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Chase. And much love to you. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam. And you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more. As always, thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com